Welcome to a Meathead Hippie Podcast. I am your host, Emily Schramm, and I am in Sebastopol, California, getting every single part of my Meathead Hippie desires fulfilled. (laughs) It is so amazing. On one hand, the Meathead, just total fitness, because my sister, my older sister, one of my older sisters, Michelle, is so fit you all like so fit. (laughs) She's always been a swimmer with endurance jeans that I will always dream of having, but just don't (laughs) like I'm a three to four minute sprinter. Let me snatch really heavy (laughs) and sprint. (laughs) She's like, let me do that. Plus again and again and again. So I've had so much fun like really stepping into more of this what's coming energy, which is very Aries energy, fiery, active, action, new, spring, my masculine energy that needs to be re-tapped into always, right? We're always trying to balance the feminine and masculine, but there's layers. And once you get downloads or once you expand your feminine, which is a lot of the conversation today with Lindsay, we also have to rise up and have a lot more masculine energy to protect that. And I'm not talking of external masculine energy. This is all this internal journey of how we are finding that balance within ourselves in order for it to be reflected in our outside world. So I have been doing CrossFit for the first time in five years. It's been so trippy. Some of the nostalgia I talked about on the last podcast on self-forgiveness, like just for more reference, I had a time hop on my Facebook from seven years ago today that was about the bacon and skinny jeans blog post that I had already revived. So I had started it 12 years ago and then let it trickle off and then restarted it seven years ago. And surprise, surprise, Emily Schramm has a new blog that has been revived, which is just hilarious because we think we're in control of this world or we think that we're at random or maybe everything's chance and it's just not (laughs) the more you get into it it's like oh i see cycles they exist it's not linear this helps (laughs) so if you are interested in reading more about my blog (laughs) or the process i now have a blog that i really enjoy sharing this behind the scenes of what's happening internally and really hoping that this sharing, if anything, is just permission for you to realize some of the messy that comes from this life. You know, I think we don't talk about it enough. It's uh, not so glamorous all the time. It's not so easy. It's not so flow as anyone might want to have you believe. That's all an ego trip (laughs) when people want you to see their perfection or their life as perfect, right? That is to set up for a relationship that maybe isn't the best use of power or the best use of, um, or any use of power. Power is just complete bullshit. It's all self. So it's really interesting what I'm learning, what I'm getting downloads for, what I'm excited to talk about. You can find more of that on emilyshrom.com slash M's process, or I'll link it below. And it's been really humbling and also eye-opening to see these patterns of who I was in CrossFit, which was uber competitive, 
and self-deprecating to kind of revisit it in this new body, same body, new layers of remembering or (laughs) new layers of self-awareness and really see how easy it is for me to go into that patterning, but also see it as such a beautiful tool to shock my system, to really push myself in certain ways that I haven't and see how I respond. And so with the extra care of adaptogen support and making sure I'm taking my magnesium and making sure that I'm doing the supplement support and food support correctly because it is definitely a shift in my training, (laughs) even if it's only been two weeks, you know, the recovery component is important in so many ways. So the Empirica supplements that are non-negotiable, I will also list out in this podcast note, or I can write a blog if anyone needs more details on this. But it's really just so beautiful to see the growth. We're all seeing growth in some way. And if we're not seeing growth in some way through these cycles, whether it's five years ago or seven years ago, then we need to look more. (laughs) We need to find them. Actively go through your phone and find them. It's like the one reason I open up my Facebook is to, for 15 minutes on my timer for Instagram and Facebook, which I really try to adhere to, I want to see the time hops. I want to see the reflections of myself throughout my life because then I appreciate and then I celebrate. And then the hippie side is just being cracked open in this northern california region it's just insane it's insane it smells incredible i have felt so held by the land by the people by the plant whispers by the herbalists this feels like the birthplace of so much herbalism because it is the people here are incredible and it was so amazing to find the herb of the month for next month to start these interviews and to start filming about the herb that we picked for you. So this is all through the Build Your Own Apothecary. If you're interested in plants, I am so obsessed with this apothecary. Once a month, get a herb from me. It's a little cute mason jar. You can start building your own apothecary without being overwhelmed. It's just one plant every month to teach you about how to use plants that you can either harvest yourself, find yourself, grow yourself, or eventually purchase through these farmers that are growing these herbs directly from (laughs) source, right? They have respect for the plant that's beyond organic. It is no pesticides, no harmful things for our, our environment, which is so important for us to talk about if we're looking at reciprocity for Mother Earth, reciprocity for making sure that we are giving as much as we're taking which is so not the case, where do we find that reciprocity? And I believe truly as someone who's a part of the problem with a tea line that had no regard for how these herbs were grown and really understanding how can I have regard for these herbs that are grown that are so sacred and being able to tap into this deeper conversation of regenerative agriculture and support for land and support for body by supporting land. It is fascinating and beautiful and I'm so grateful to have this beautiful tiny idea of build your own apothecary be a part of what I believe so much in holding that vision of making sure that we are all 
educating ourselves, understanding, and feeling empowered so that we see how we can play a part in the change, how we can be a part in the change. And it's not individuals, it's every single person. It's like, it's just all so important. We're all there. We all see it. We want to be more involved. And now there's ways to get involved. So what does that look like for you? Maybe it means growing your own plants. Maybe it means talking about tea, drinking more tea, whatever it means. Alice. So that's my cue. So as you go into this podcast, know that I'm sending you so much love. I'll wait, 818 to 838. Sorry, Dave. This podcast is about all of a little of what I just shared. Uh, Masculine, feminine energy, boundaries. It's with Lindsay Locke, who has her own podcast. She's so fantastic. She's a therapist. She talks to people every single day about how to implement daily tools to be a better person and to be psyched on life. And that's her podcast, Get Psyched on Life. And you can also do a twofer. So we did a Get Psyched on Life um, where she was on my podcast and then I was on hers. Alice! Jesus. (laughs) This podcast is with Lindsay Locke, who I am so excited to interview. She is the podcast host of Get Psyched on Life. And we did a twofer. So I was on hers. She was on mine. We swapped out. I loved both conversations. Oh, my God, Alice. (laughs) This is not okay. Can you just stop making noise for five seconds? I love you. Okay. 818 to 959. How about that? This podcast is with Lindsay Locke, who is a dear friend that is in Denver. I am so grateful for our conversation. She was on my podcast, then I was on hers. Her podcast is Get Psyched. You can find it anywhere you listen to podcasts. And she is a therapist and someone who has conversations about what I've kind of trickled in this whole long, excessive intro, (laughs) which is about boundaries, about masculine, feminine energy, about understanding our role in triggers, the line that we walk when we are trying to not be triggered, but also heal the triggers, (laughs) you know, the mess of life. It was such a good conversation. I felt loved. I felt held. And I hope you too feel that love and you feel held. And I am just so grateful for the final day in winter that we are currently in so that we can move through into a new dawn, new springtime, planting the seeds. The energy is palpable, but I did write a podcast about being tired. So if you still are tired, remember it's the final day of winter and we don't always have to have that energy full on. We have to recognize where we haven't been in sync with cycles and where we're still maybe recovering to get back to that. So wherever you are. I hope I meet you there and I hope you feel loved and supported. Thank you for being a meathead hippie listener and enjoy the show with Lindsay. (laughs) I'm Emily Schramm, the ultimate meathead hippie. Welcome to the show. Lindsay, welcome to meathead hippie. I'm so glad we're doing a twofer. (laughs) I know. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. 
Have you ever done, I've done one podcast marathon once where we had four different podcasts in a studio and we just alternated and kind of did this whole exchange, which was so fun. I feel like we should do more things like that. Uh, but I'm really excited because you have such a great podcast on your end, Get Psyched, at which we're going to dig into kind of about the ethos of Get Psyched and your work that you do about just living your best life. Um, but I'm really grateful for your time and for just our connection and really meeting through our mutual friend, Jalen, who's just such a love bug. Yeah, shout uh, out Jalen. Hi, Jay. Uh, so thank you for being here. Thank you so much. I'm so excited. I feel like this has been a long time coming, so it'll be good. Totally. Um, I want to jump in. Get Psyched is kind of just a way of being and living as you self-proclaim in this beautiful uh, bio of Get Psyched and just what your podcast is all about and even just looking at some of the interviews. So I'm curious for you, this is a broad question, Lindsay, but I'm throwing it in, is what are you the most psyched about in this moment, in this time, this weird time that we are moving through? Oh, what, man. What's psyching you up? Yeah. Wow. This That is a big question. Um, <laughs> you know, it's been really interesting is I moved to Denver, as you know. We can, we can be closer. <laughs> um, and it was such a moment of transition for me. Um, I've always been somebody that, as weird as it sounds, gets really grounded by traveling. A lot of people like to nest. A lot of people like to be home. And as soon as I'm out and about, I actually feel the most energized. Um, and moving to Denver was every antithesis of that. It was like, I was so excited for this huge transition and then everything kind of just like hit me like a ton of bricks. Um, I moved here, I took a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday off of work to drive all my things out. I wow. signed on to a meeting Thursday morning and was laid off and was like, oh my wow. gosh, you know, what do I do when everything that I thought was in place to make this transition as successful as possible is now crumbling. Mm. Um, and I, I sat in my feels for about a week and I got really angry. I got really sad. I just kind of let myself feel all of it. And once that subsided, um, you know, I had somebody in a moment when I wasn't really ready to hear it about a week later after I digested it was very grateful that they had said it. Um, a good friend told me that there's not many times in our life that, we get hit with such a big reset where when we're in our project or we're in our zone, we kind of have these blinders on. Mm. And when these massive life changes happen, we get the opportunity to be really intentional about our next step because so often when we choose our next project, right, the blinders go on and we're in that. And so I am most psyched right now about the intentionality that I'm bringing to my next step in life. Um, which feels yeah. really fitting. As soon as all shit hit the fan, I called my uh, <laughs> called my astrologist and I was like, I need a reading now. And she was like, oh yeah, you're in the throes of Saturn's return. And I was like, perfect. <laughs> this all makes so much sense. So I feel like I'm trying as best I can to reframe my Saturn's return as a big course correction and how I can bring intentionality into that. 
Oh my God, Saturn! Come on, love us, make altars for it. Do, <laughs> yeah. do, what else do we need to do? Seriously. <laughs> oh my God, Lindsay, it's so much to process so quickly. I am so impressed by how you navigate things, and that's what you teach people, and that's what you're. I love your little Instagram reels of just like little bite-sized facts about how to navigate life with more grace, and you're doing it in such a real-life way. I'm very impressed. Thank you. Okay. Here we go. What a wild ride you have just started. Such a wild ride. And it's fun to... Oh, yeah, go. No, go ahead. I, I am here for it. What are you going to say? Well, I was just excited to hear what you said about the intention and the ability to pause, the ability to slow, slowly choose, because this morning, even, I was on the pattern, which is so much better than CoStar. If you, have you ever done these astrology apps? No. There's, there's two that I really like. One's CoStar, which is like really nice, easy, kind of a way to always have your astrology at hand. If someone's like, what's your rising? What's your moon? Because it's hard to remember at first. It's a nice little log. But then the pattern was one that my sisters got me into. And it was so dead on today. And it was exactly what you just said, which was there is absolutely no rush into figuring out what the step is in front of you. Because We've been this, we've come this far, right? We've gone through this much change, this much death, this much vision, envisioning what could be and any sort of pressure to make something happen or fit when it's just not right and not, not the time is just reversal into like old patterning, right? So I was really, I love that we're in that same, same in many ways because it's like, okay, I have time. Because when I do step into something, it's all in. And I don't feel like any of these things are quite right for me to be all in on, right? Like, so that's the lesson of patience in so many ways. Absolutely. And noticing, you know, for me, the biggest lesson in this is recognizing that my ability to pause is such a privilege, right? Mm. I have a home that I can maintain. I have a lot of things at my disposal that other people don't. So I want to at least recognize that pausing does take a certain amount of privilege. And I'm, I'm very grateful for the fact that I have that. And I think the biggest lesson for me in this has been just learning how to ask for help, which mm-hmm. is, you know, when you're pausing and you're kind of in the, the cocoon, if you will, right? You've kind of the metamorphosis um, analogy of, of butterflies, how once... Once the caterpillar goes into the cocoon, like the caterpillar, if you were to dissect it, which is sad, has all of the makeups <laughs> to have its wings, to do all of these things, um, to become the butterfly, right? But when they're in the cocoon, they melt down into like this nothing, like this, this goo. And this ick, icky goo. <laughs> it's like, yes, I imagine this like mystical kind of whimsical goo, um, Maybe that because that's where I am, and so I want to imagine that that's what my goo looks like. <laughs> it's it's iridescent goo. Yeah, it's kind of sparkly. <laughs> it's warm, um, and when you're in the goo, it's so hard to like. There might be that step in front of you, or there might be that thing, but you don't quite have the ability to get there. And it's been such a humbling experience to have to ask for help because I've always been, mm. you know, I joke around, but it's very true. My trauma response has been you know, kind of this hyper individuality and ability to perform and take care of myself and do all these things. And so to be in this moment where I do have to ask my partner for help 
or yeah. I do need to look at, you know, the greater plan and the, the greater, you know, goal and try to be in alignment with that and not rush what that looks like has been really, really interesting. Mm. Yeah. Well, you are such the helper. This is what you do for a living is really helping people. What would you say is your favorite part of the work that you do and how you help people navigate some really deep, I mean, is there a favorite part, right? Everything you do is magic. So, um, but you're like so hands-on helping people in this therapy set setting. So I guess like from somebody who's such a helper, what would be some of your favorite things of how you are navigating that like wounded healer journey that we're all on, which is like your ability to still see how much value you bring to other people in your own change. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think you hit it right on the head when being a wounded healer, right? It's something happened to us. We were able to heal or overcome that. We want to like pass that on to other people. And you said, what's your favorite part of that? And I'm such a geek and nerd out on IFS, so internal family systems, which is all, quote, parts mm. work, right? Mm. The idea behind parts work is, I think we've all said it, I know I've said it, you know, a part of me wants to do this, and another part of me wants to do this. And mm. Richard Swartz, the founder of IFS, got really curious about those parts. And he's like, "Why? you know, I'm not saying that we're all schizophrenic and we have these different personalities inside of us, but everyone seems to have these parts. And if we can start relating to our individual parts the same way we ask a family system to start relating and breaking patterns and understanding one another differently, then we can start to understand ourselves and invite in more curiosity and compassion with ourselves. Mm. And so that is my favorite part of the work that I do is not, um, you know, changing someone's part or saying, okay, you recognize this thing of being really bad and you've repressed it for a long time and therapy is going to help you get rid of it. Instead, it's, okay, can we get curious? What's that part story? How is that part mm. keeping you safe? Can we invite in some curiosity about it and learn how to walk with that part instead of, you know, you haven't gotten rid of it repressing it so far. So what might right. it be like if we invite that in? Um, and that's, mm. it's so transformative. And to watch clients like have these, massive breakthroughs when we just offer curiosity and compassion for that part and this boom like a memory that they haven't ever thought of comes back and it's like oh that's what that was born from right wow. and then we can start kind of talking about that inner child and how can you love that part how can you show up for that part and support that part I feel as if this is uh, more mainstream of a conversation, right? That people are more acceptant of kind of this inner child work, or at least you are, you know, in the middle of helping it become more mainstream. That's the work that you're doing. What are some common, um, common themes you're seeing that how this pandemic or like how the last two years has allowed people to see that more, you know, like kind of this revival of self, like integration of self and just this den denial of parts of ourselves is almost like intolerable. I feel like that's more and more like this, we no longer will hide certain parts of ourselves, right? So I'm curious if you've seen that just more, at least in your practice of like more people really recognizing I have so much more to bring to the table and mm. I've denied myself for so long and I'm ready to bring that part out. Do you feel as if that's more common or is it maybe just my own bubble of social media feed? <laughs> it could totally be your own bubble, but what bubbles to keep on the bubble train, what bubbles up for me when you say that is that 
we were literally asked to be alone with no one but ourselves for a really long time. Mm. And I always joke that right, we went through the whole like bread making part of the pandemic. I was like, there's only so much sourdough you can make until you're like, okay, I don't have any other place to hide. I better start reflecting, right? I got to look inside. And, and so a lot of people going inside is a really scary thing. That's why I have such a hard time when people, you know, mindfulness and meditation is beautiful unless your internal landscape is intolerable, right? Unless being alone and being inside is a really scary place to be. So mm. I found a lot of people in that, right? Because before the pandemic, we were, we had a lot of other resources, if you will, whether that was becoming a workaholic, becoming an alcoholic, always like keeping ourselves busy with these different things that were at our disposal. And all of a sudden those were taken away, which was really yeah. hard for therapists because we're like, crap, like connection is such a thing that we <laughs> seek, right? Yeah. And how do we kind of reinstate that for our clients? But what was really beautiful about it was, okay, we have this time to really work on ourselves. So if we want to talk about that intentional next step, right? Can I start to learn myself? Can I start to accept the parts of myself that, you know, are quote unquote, my shadow that irritate me about other people that all of these different things. So when I do reenter society, I'm doing that as the best and as trendy as this word is most authentic version of myself. Mm. Yes. And also what you said is so true of the connection that we're all seeking in such a big way. I can't imagine, like, how do you fulfill that? Or how do you, you know, replace that? It's like, that's why we overeat. That's why we overconsume vices that turn into detriments. You know, it's this desperate, desperate seeking of a connection. Um, yeah, that is, that's tough. I think people are still seeking that in big ways of where do I connect again? Because I can only connect with myself so much. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> well, for you, okay, let's dig into who you are. Um, obviously a helper of others, but uh, for you, the practices that you have that you kind of stay in this life is something to be psyched about, right? This this, this is like this joy that we're all seeking, this kind of ambiance of energy, which is I am here to live my life. I am here to learn and experience and just be the brightest self I can be. What are ways for you that's really helped you? I guess, I mean, it's such a generic question, but like how do you make sure that when we're not psyched or the days that we're not feeling psyched, um, not forcing ourselves to get psyched, but what are the practices that allow us to be more psyched than less? If that is a fair question. <laughs> if that makes sense. So, yeah. I mean, all of us are going to experience bad days, right? Mm -hmm. And I try to normalize that all the time with my clients. Like, your therapist has a therapist, right? Like, hard mm -hmm. feelings, big feelings, things that we've deemed maybe insurmountable, everyone experiences. So I think that there's times to be kind to ourselves and accept that I'm not having a bad day. I'm having a human day. Like it's totally mm. normal that this is something I'm experiencing. And then as weird as it sounds, right, where can I take responsibility for the bad day that I'm having? Um, it's really easy to stay in victimhood and to stay in like, well, this person said this, or I lost my job, right? All of these things that were out of my control I didn't bring on to myself. Why do I have to radically accept it? Yeah. And it's like, well, victimhood 
just tends to make me more angry. So I didn't get rid of my anger and my frustration. I just got double frustration about the fact that I was frustrated about something, right? <laughs> um, yeah. So the sooner that I can zoom out of what is the story I'm telling myself right now and instead saying what are the objectable, objective facts of what happened, right? I woke up, I signed on a meeting, I lost my job. Okay, what are the emotions that came up with that? I got really sad. I got really frustrated. I felt really abandoned. Okay, what's the story I'm telling myself about that? And my story was, I put in eight years of my life to this company that abandoned me because they don't see my worth. They don't think I'm good enough, right? And like, that was not the case at all. Business is business, okay? And I had to Mm -hmm. radically accept that and had to take responsibility for the story that I was telling myself and get Mm -hmm. curious of, okay, why is that? Why did I immediately jump to self-worth or lack thereof? Where Mm. have I, you know, accepted this narrative and taken it on as my own instead of questioning it and saying, okay, I am worthy. I know I'm strong enough to do these things, X, Y, Z. And that just wasn't the case of what happened, right? Mm. So taking responsibility for why you're in the state that you're in and then giving yourself the permission to start rewriting the narrative if it doesn't feel true to you. I love that you said, why do we always jump to worth? Because it's true. Why do we always jump to worth? Is that an answerable question? I mean, I think so much of it, and this is totally anecdotal, this is just my thoughts on it, is because we, if we want to go back to attachment styles and back to hunter-gatherer societies, like, our survival was dependent on someone showing up for us, right? And so Mm -hmm. we morph and form in a way that shows this person I'm worthy of your caretaking, right? Or I'm worthy of being part of the tribe. Please don't leave me out here to freeze and starve and and pass, right? And so we do that with our parents, even though we're in homes and we're not, (laughs) you know, living in mammoth wool anymore. Um, (laughs) Unless you want to, unless that's what you're into. That's cool too. Sometimes. We, we still have that, right, at a very biological level. There's a desire to, to connect, to stick around, to be told we're worthy enough to survive. And when that's in question, it's never, okay, what about that person and their story and their narrative is creating this emotional world for me? right? We always want to, if we take responsibility for something, we can change it, right? We get this false sense of control and we can change it. And more often than not, we can't, right? If we could all emotionally manipulate other people, like, damn, I wouldn't have a job, right? Like, we wouldn't need therapists anymore. You could come to my office once and I'd say, no, like, add this, take away that, you're good, right? Um, and, And so, yeah, I think that our desire to attach, our desire to stay a part of something is why we why I so immediately will jump to to worth and what could I have done differently to show you that I am worthy Hmm. yeah it's the addiction to the attachments for sure and also the illusions that we would rather hold than the reality which isn't even that scary right like when we actually face ourselves our truest selves even though like we have to break through so many walls to get to that it's so interesting that it's always, it's always in our head that it's going to be this insurmountable, unlovable creature, right? It's just like never that the case. It's this like 
sweet little moment that happened when you were five. It's like, I always just am so mad at myself that I have to like, that's the work for me is the forgiveness of self of why does it take me so long to go through these walls that I, I put up just to protect myself from something that's such an illusion, right? Like we, we do this all the time of like, um, I'm, I'm protecting myself or I'm like not going to see what's on the other side of this because I am too afraid or too ashamed or whatever it is. And then you get through it and you're like, why did it take me this long? Why did I, why did I, you know, have this much resistance to this? It's like these tiny little bumps and then you get through it. And then the other thing that I see with my own patterning is once I kind of make these big shifts or changes and it's, you know, whatever, whatever it takes for me to get through it and I heal or whatever we want to call it. And then you look back and you reflect. The reflection is so short. It's kind of like, eh, moving on. Like there's no recognition of, you know, this big hurdle that wasn't actually a big hurdle, but it was in the moment and that was the work. And this idea that we don't celebrate how much we are moving forward enough. And I notice that with myself all the time where I'm like, this is a big deal. This was a big deal before it happened. And then I get through it and I look back and I'm like, eh, moving on. Not even something I want to pay attention to. I don't even want to acknowledge it. So it kind of comes back to this idea that we don't even recognize our self-worth in those little but like pretty significant moments when we should because that's what helps us always kind of come back to we are our own medicine Uh, So it's just, it's really interesting. I see a lot of these patterns just always happen again and again and again with me. And I'm like, okay, if we can recognize it, of course we can change it. But what would you recommend or what do you say when there's like the same pattern or the same cycle over and over and over again? Uh, I know obviously sometimes plant medicine might be the answer <laughs> to this. Big reset. <laughs> yeah, big reset. But um, outside of that, you know, what are some of these things? Because I, I get this a lot in my own self and then with people that I talk to. It's like the same thing. No matter what, they can't think their way out of it, right? It's just a, the same cycle, same pattern, same energy. I know you experience that with your own clients. How does one navigate that? How does one not get frustrated by seeing the pattern, but not still being able to break free from it. Yeah. I mean, one thing you said was I can't think myself out of that. And that, like, we have this big human brain, which is cool. It's like allowed us to do a lot of things (laughs) and it's allowed us to get completely stunted, right? Analysis paralysis, or if I can just think my way out of this, I'll feel better. And mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but when I think I don't think that hard about something, I typically get a headache. I don't feel better, right? If I start <laughs> to feel things, I start to feel better. So can we move from the brain down into the body, right? Mm-hmm. How much of this is my story that someone told me I have to own a home and be married and have kids and be successful by 30, right? Like mm-hmm. who told me that? And yeah. if that's the definition of success that I'm chasing, then yeah, I'm never going to feel fulfilled until I achieve all those things. And then what you named is I'm often going to feel that I'm going to achieve all those things and be like, okay, cool. On to the next, right? I don't actually totally, um, I, I don't really appreciate where I've, where I've gotten to. Right. Yeah. And that's kind of my big problem with goal setting. I think goal setting is great. It helps people, stay motivated it helps people lose weight it you know you name it 
and a goal is inherently something in the future right mm-hmm. so yeah. if we're talking about that the only time i have to to know what is actually true right what's actually going on is the present moment why am i living so far in the future how mm-hmm. am i pulling myself out of this mindfulness and really focusing on this thing so that then when i get there i'm also not going to be mindful in that moment right i've been priming myself to just think about the next thing to keep myself yeah. motivated and so for me and for my clients, I love celebrating the little wins. I think I have almost every client read Atomic Habits. And it's oh, like, yeah, you want Chase. to run <laughs> the marathon. Yeah. What if you just put your tennis shoes on? Mm-hmm. Right? Can we count that as a win? Sorry, I have a very loud truck driving by. Um, <laughs> what happens okay. when we go live? <laughs> but can I just put my shoes on? Right? And then if my shoes are on, and the opportunity does come up to go for a walk or go for a jog or my dog needs to go out, right? I'm that much more ready to do the next step. Um, but really appreciating the fact that I left my tennis shoes by the door so that it would remind me to do this thing. And then can mm-hmm. I truly celebrate that? Not just be like, okay, fuck, I'm putting on my shoes again, right? It's like, no. Yeah. I'm doing the thing that I promised myself I would do. Because when we don't follow through on something or when we you know, are loose on our own boundaries, not only are we reinforcing negative behavior from other people, but we're losing trust with ourselves. Mm. And so a lot of this is about reestablishing trust. Mm. And a lot of us don't feel trust in our brains, right? Our brains will tell us like, no, 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 don't do that. A lot of us feel trust in our bodies. So how Mm. can I every single day reinstate that trust um, that I can actually somatically feel and start to move forward in that? That's beautiful. I love that word trust. It's so funny. It came up today because um, there's a flower called a freesia. I don't know if you've seen seen a freesia, but I had it. Someone gifted it to me yesterday, and then today I saw it at the coffee shop I was at. And so I always, if I see things twice, I'm like, oh, symbolism. Google search. <laughs> what does this mean? And it was about trust, and I just loved that it is the word because when we trust self and it you know as cliche as it is it's the pride of self that we can have like we feel we make ourselves proud is really one of the things that we need to all experience is to feel that pride of you know following through with what you had just said it's like oh I do make myself proud um but it's also just the simplest thing of being able to trust the whole right the the knowing is the hardest part it's like we can do things, we can feel things, but like knowing things is the work because it just doesn't feel tangible enough. Like there's just times where it's like, how do I make this more literal so that I can see the net if I jump, you know? So I have something to catch me, even though I'm making the jump and it's still terrifying and the feeling is still the same. Like if you're going to skydive, you still have a parachute, but it's still this like tangible thing that you know it's going to open up. I mean, hopefully it's going to open up, <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> but it's interesting where I feel like a lot of us, I really have seen so many visions of just a lot of us, male or female, but especially females kind of just like sitting on the edge or standing on the edge of something that's completely unknown and unchartered. And it's like, there's no other option. You, you got to do it, you know? So that trust in self is just... Oh, if there's one thing, maybe that's all that we need is to really develop that. That's really beautiful. Hmm. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. And I bring this up because you brought up plant medicine earlier. Um, 
all of the studies with both psilocybin and MDMA-assisted psychotherapy are showing that it's not the peak experience that is so life-changing about it. It's, you know, for any listeners that have dabbled in the world of psychedelics, there is this somatic experience that you get with that, which is exactly what you were saying. It's Mm. the... I don't have to see it to believe it. I need to feel it to believe it, right? If we Mm -hmm. want to go back to fitness, okay? Think about the first time you snatched. You were like, this (laughs) is awkward and weird and I'm never going to be able to get this thing from the ground to overhead in one swoop and land in the bottom of a squat. No fucking way, right? (laughs) And then that first time you hit triple extension and the bar flies up, I remember looking at my coach and being like, it's always supposed to feel like that. (laughs) He was like, yeah. And after I felt it, right, I had that body awareness. I had that somatic experience that I knew that state was achievable because I had been there. Uh, And that is what they're finding with all of, you know, different psychedelics and plant medicine is the fact that now I have a different perception of self because I have seen myself trust myself or overcome trauma or love freely or do any of these things that I was so stuck in my patterning or I was so stuck in my story that was not changeable until I felt that something was was different and that's why I think you know so many people that are stuck in patterns or reliving past trauma or you know have quote treatment resistant trauma it's because for so long the industry standard has been well let's talk about it And it's like, no, talking keeps us in our logical brain. We all know that. And we know that trauma is stored in the limbic system, which is the somatic, right? Like the feeling of the body. And Mm. so why are we still treating something with an old modality of talking about it all the time instead of bringing people into their bodies and allowing them to feel it? Mm. I love all of that so much. One, the triple extension, that feeling is like none other. None but other. mostly, but mostly this vision of feeling held and really how many people have yet to feel that and how many people don't know that they deserve to feel that or they just are seeking it. It's just like that is what I wish we could gift to the world, right, is this idea of feeling held. But that's the beautiful thing is that these plants are helping you do that in whatever way is right for you is whether it's the plants or not, there's like modalities that will help you feel held in a way that no experience can give you. And that's just so how I felt in my own experiences with that medicine or with certain people or, you know, with, you know, certain circles and certain communities and certain mu- certain music, right? There's just seeking out of things that make you feel held and safe and building that trust. I really, I just really love that whole thing. I just want to sit in that. Like even saying it feels safe, you know, just this like recognition of peace. There's just a peace that comes with that, right? Hmm. And it feel it feels yummy, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah, <laughs> I, there's so many times when, and I try as often as I can to not use um, the word safe because for a lot mm-hmm. of people that are maybe living in traumatized bodies, they don't know what safe feels like, right? So can mm-hmm. I use things that we do know? I know what yummy is. I know what warm is, right? I've been in a in a nice. I'm sitting here in a blanket right now and I'm just kind of rubbing it, you know, like these things, we've all experienced those things. And so how can we invite more of those experiences into our life, right? I can have Mm. 
super avoidant attachment style and then get with the right person that teaches me safety, right? To use the word or that makes me feel yummy or makes me feel warm. And I, I don't have the desire to run or to cling on if, you know, you're maybe on the more anxious side of things. And I think what's really beautiful about all of it is that we always, we always have the opportunity to change our story. We always have the opportunity to say, what about this is mine and that I want to keep? And what about this isn't? And it is not wrong if you want to throw out what isn't, right? If your inner critic sounds like your mom (laughs) and like some (laughs) some things that she thought were going to help you be successful and you just find that they're really incredibly stifling and not expansive and make me feel really bad like okay that that's not my story to hold and I'm allowed to get rid of that um it's not that easy right like I don't want to undersell it this is hard work but you absolutely have the opportunity and the right to change your mind at any time Hmm. thank you for recognizing the two things there's been two things so far that I just really appreciate which is one, pausing is a privilege, and two, that people might not know what safety is. I really am grateful for that because those are both so accurate, <laughs> so, so accurate and so true. I have um, a thought that popped up, and I've addressed it in some various ways, and I would just love your perspective or any thought that comes from this, which is getting stuck in, I don't even know how to say it because I don't even know exactly what it is. It's maybe not bad nor good, but it's an observation of allowing ourselves to somewhat justify complete removal or, you know, kind of a a boundary, which is never bad, right? If we feel triggered by something, instead of leaning into it and getting curious about it, I have noticed or I have been a little bit more conscientious of people who, as soon as they feel slightly triggered to completely remove it, which sometimes is a dangerous territory, right? Where it's at what point do we, I guess this is more the question, at what point do we lean into some of the triggers and recognize that it's a mirror? And at what point do we see that it's time for it to be removed from our life? And that fine line that is in between kind of allowing ourselves to not see anything that might be triggerable in order for us to feel aligned, even though it, it is kind of the mirror that we're needing to see. And at what point is it the decision of, okay, I see that this is no longer in my best interest. Does mm-hmm. this make sense? Yeah. And, you know, I think that, that all kind of is dependent on where the person is in their healing journey. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, like I worked in addiction for a really long time. And I worked in treatment centers and it was a a longer program. It was three months long. And for that three months, those people are not around substances they are not around alcohol. Right. And at some point that person leaves treatment, they go back out into the world. So though we needed total disconnect, right, to heal and to really start to understand ourselves and what the underlying cause was, not the symptom, right? What are these causes? Mm -hmm and stay away from it long enough that I can give myself kind of, you know, the crutches that I need or the support that Mm -hmm. I need to really start doing that deep work. Yeah. I needed to be totally away from it. Mm -hmm. And at the very end of the program, we would actually do 
we did photos, right? But trigger photos where it was like, you sat down, it was like, what are things that I see that might be at Safeway, right? I had tons of people recovering off of opiates that tinfoil or ballpoint pens were super triggering for them, right? And those Mm -hmm. things are going to be everywhere. Whether or not I'm trying to score or not, I am going to interact with those things. So Mm -hmm. it's actually like a decent, I can't say the word right now, desensitizing (laughs) people to these Mm -hmm. triggers. Um, And again, getting into my body, what comes up? Why are my palms sweaty when I look at that? Why did my heart rate increase? And as we start to get more and more in tune with what's going on with my body, with other tools, right, I also have learned how to reinforce safety. So if I feel Mm -hmm. my heart rate start to elevate, can I notice that I'm breathing really shallowly? And can I start Mm -hmm. breathing in through my nose? Can I start to do these things that calm my nervous system to remind my body and my soul and my spirit that I'm safe in this moment, even though old patterns and old stories told me I wasn't, right? I get to, I get to make that conscious choice. Um, And so there is a lot of learning, right? Like not everyone wakes up and is like, I know how to regulate my nervous system and my emotions. (laughs) No, right? That's why we work with people who who do know how to do those things and who can teach you those things. Um, But I think that's one part of it, right? Can Can I regulate my nervous system? I think the other part of it um, and what I have, like once I learned all those tools, (laughs) it was kind of those moments it was like, um, losing my job, right? I remember looking at my partner and being like, fuck, I have all the tools and no part of me wants to use them. I want to be <laughs> mad and I want to slam doors and I want to have a pity party. I kind of want to take a shot of tequila, even though I know none of those things are going to make me feel better, right? <laughs> and so sometimes I had to do that, right? Like I wanted to do those things and it's okay yeah. to do those things as long as they don't get out of hand. But where I think so many people get lost is that I've identified with this way of thinking or with this occupation or with this thing that I do. I've over-identified with it. And now to do something different is threatening to my identity and who I think I am and who my persona is that I share with the world. And so Mm. kind of adopting a new mindset around it, which was really hard for me, right? Like my whole childhood and after college and before I went to grad school, I was like, I'm going to be a lawyer. I'm really good at arguing. I'm really good at getting people to hear my point. I'm really good at doing all these things. And um, to take a step back from that and say, wait, like, I don't have to be right all the time. And in Mm -hmm. fact, it's really liberating when I'm not right all the time. When someone Mm -hmm. can change my mind, when I can say, oh, you know, I was really, really staunch in that sight or that line of thinking. And now I'm changing my mind because of new research or something a friend told me or a new personal experience. And if we can grant ourselves the grace to change our minds, fuck, like (laughs) the limits are, are limitless. Yeah. Uh, I, I also feel like that's, uh, Yes, all of this. So, so beautifully said, especially kind of reflecting about the, just the somatic responses people are having and recognition. I really love that because I do feel we can be triggered by everything and then we can just shut down, right? It's like whatever whatever it might be, it's just a, I don't want to feel anything. And so it's either all or nothing. We're all living in this all or nothing when we need to be in that middle and then it's this unraveling of like what you think you know and 
feeling that confidence in that masculine energy. So this is kind of a pivot, but you know, we have such a like decisive, what you said was so fun to dig into of like, okay, I can be argumentative in a, in a good productive way, or I can kind of tackle these debates or be somebody who can hold my own in these conversations. I want to be a lawyer, right? This kind of like, let's go energy. And then I'm recognizing kind of the unravel of we know everything, whatever that looks like for each person. And then a new wave of how do we now make sure that we live in this middle, like our masculine energy has to be healed again, right? So it's kind of this kind of coming out into the world, like all encompassing, like, let's go. And then like, oh, maybe I don't know everything. And maybe I need to find my feel and my feminine. And then it's like, but there's still things to show up for. There's still this. So that's totally this last three year cycle I've seen in my own life, in my own pattern in this like, oh, this is healing of this masculine energy to approach these things in a different way, in a different light. And that's been really interesting to observe and not get too wrapped up in, right? Because then I wouldn't do anything if I thought of it too much. But I have noticed that with a lot of people of like, okay, we have unlearned, we, we're learning. Now I need to do again. Now I need to execute again. And almost this resistance to it, whether it's because they don't want to go into that complete other side where it's all masculine energy, um, or it's just relearning to the, the trust of self. But I think that's so common and so interesting, like with where we're at in the world of this feminine, you know, rising, whatever it might be. It's like, okay, the feminine's here, but we also still have to show up in this masculine way because we need both. And I do think there's a lot of people stuck in that I'm now seeing it from a new perspective, but I do have to step into this role, into this um, this do executing position because I'm needed. The world needs it. And I don't know if you've seen that or if you relate to that, but that's what popped up in my head as you were saying that. Totally. Um, you know, Jung calls it our anima and animus, right? The mm -hmm. divine masculine and feminine that lives inside all of us, whether you identify male, female, or anything in between. Um and, you know, when I worked for the company I worked for for a long time, I took great pride in sitting at the boys' table. I called them the CE bros, and I fucking made my seat <laughs> at that table, and I was so in my masculine, right? Mm. And my masculine gets me to do a lot of things. It gets me to accomplish tasks. It gets me to, you know, really take pride and drive in what I'm doing. If I say to my feminine all the time, man, it'd be fun. I'd be like floating around in a pool and ready to receive everything the universe wants to bring my way. But if I'm just receiving all of those things, I'm not, I'm not relating to myself differently. I'm not relating to the world differently. And so kind of the, the reframe that I took on that is, Lindsay, it is your, it's your birthright to, to experience mm. both your masculine and feminine. And if it took me a really long time to move into my feminine and kind of, I, I laugh that it's kind of my more woo side. Right. Um, <laughs> but then the way that I interacted with the world was so different and to not bring that into the world. Yes. It takes a little bit of masculine to step up and do that, but to just live in my own world of like, Oh, I'm like having all these downloads and I'm relating to myself differently and I'm interacting with, you know, my partner differently. 
that's not enough, right? There's a big drive in me to bring that out to the collective. How can a change yeah. in me fire and drive change outwardly? Mm. And so I, that's kind of how I've balanced the two is I can have this deep, deep feminine knowledge and knowing, and it's not fair. In my opinion, it's not fair for me to keep all of that. I need to get that out there somehow. Uh, no, it's not fair. I love that. It's not even just that. That's the most beautiful thing is that when you have that trust in self, which you've de- developed, and of course we're all developing it and it's only increasing, but you have this confidence in self that is, I have a message to say because the message that you were saying is so needed. And I, I think that that's when we look at what people are needing and wanting, of course they want to feel as if they are making progress, right? They want to feel as if they are not just swimming in an ocean by themselves, on an island by themselves. Uh, but it's also this deep desire to have that confidence in the voice that you have because we all have that ability to say what is needed and what is important. But it does take the work. You have to do the work in order to pull that out, right? It's like the journey, whatever journey it is. It's Oh man, I'm so glad you're speaking and doing what you do because <laughs> <Thank> you. <laughs> it's and you know, so I think, needed. I think what a lot of us look for in those moments too is the permission to do it, mm-hmm. right? And bringing it back, man, my astrologer, I got to shout out Bruna because she's like changed my world, but I, I'm going to bring it back to her. Um, you know, when I had my natal chart read, Venus yeah, is I'm at so my curious. midheaven. Tell me everything. Yeah, so <laughs> Venus is like at my midheaven and there's yeah. like this... It's so funny because when I, like before I, and I have hardly dipped my toes into the world of astrology, but um, when people would say Venus, I thought about like the old razor commercials, right? Like, <laughs> I'm your Venus. And I'm, I'm your fire. Yeah. Fire. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> and I was like, this bitch is in my midheaven. What do you mean? Like, I'm supposed to be driven by this divine feminine and da, 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 da. And it was so interesting because when I got into grad school, Um, People kept asking me, you know, what kind of therapist do you want to be? What do you want to do? And I couldn't really answer. Um, Mm -hmm. In retrospect, I think that's because my drive to do all of this was to better understand myself. And Mm -hmm. and that definitely happened. And, you know, I I gained more clarity as that went along. But um, Mm -hmm. my answer to them was typically, I don't know who I want to work with, but I know I don't want to work with teenage, early 20-year-old girls or children. Hmm. Now, my favorite clients to work with are children and women that are like in their late (laughs) teens, early 20s. And it's so funny because I think that there's this, you know, you you named it, there's this rise of the feminine and none of us know what to do with it. Or we've been Mm -hmm. told that that's a weakness or we've been told that that's like, you know, women aren't supposed to be these like sexual goddesses or we're not supposed to have wants that are so, you know, driven and motivated and all of these different things. And so it's so interesting because now I feel so driven by that. I'm like, no, like, let's let that lioness out. What does she have to mm-hmm. say? And bringing that <laughs> same, you know, understanding and curiosity mm-hmm. about the feminine out in, in men also, right? Mm. Um But yeah, it's just been really funny at how drawn I am now to working with women. And I never, ever thought I would be when I started this journey. I love that. How interesting is like the thing we're the most resistant to 
it comes back and it's always, always like, oh, <laughs> shit. You know, so always be careful what you say. Like, I've noticed this too. I had a story, the only, I don't know why this popped in my head, but it was like frankincense oil or the smell of frankincense I was repulsed by. And I don't know why. I was just like, no, frankincense is like not for me. You know, it's just not my smell. <laughs> and, then I, and then I realized I talked to Dr. Missy, who's just this incredible PT in Denver. And she's like, actually, you know, they say sometimes if you're resistant to the smell, it's because you need it the most. And I'm like, okay, let me try to smother my body in this for as long as it takes. And there was a day that I think it was day seven or day eight, put it on my heart. And it was like, an opening. I'm like, wow, wow. What a lesson of the things we're the most resistant to. Oh yeah. And man, and this is not, maybe, maybe this is the topic or not, but I, I did have a download too about this beautiful feminine rising, right. And us birthing these beautiful things, right. We're either going to create babies or create ideas. One or the other, you're, right. you're, and sometimes both, but yeah, for the babies most part, that have ideas. <laughs> babies that have ideas, right? And so, if we think of our ourselves in that way, then we start to really see our whole system is so sacred, and we align in the ways that keep the ideas safe and incubated, and we take care of ourselves and nurture ourselves in a way that allows these ideas to come through. And it was interesting because I felt as if it was just a vision of a bunch of pregnant women. But no, like the men had not woken up to the fact that things were about to be birthed. And I didn't know where that came from. If that was just this idea that it's just, if things are taking a little bit more time in this day and age that we're in, it's just because there needs to be an equal energy of masculine and feminine for these things to actually be to thrive after they are birthed, right? And so it helps kind of relieve this pressure of sometimes we have this idea, get it out into the world. It's this much bigger perspective of collective energy that's happening and the shifts that are changing in their own time. And I hope it's in this lifetime that we get to see that balance out, but it might not be. So it's this inner inner work in order for the outer reflection. So like, okay, if that's the case, if we know that there's this big pendulum swing from one way to the next. And now we get to find that middle ground. The only thing I can do instead of pointing fingers is to see where in my life that masculine energy is not being seen and heard and felt. And where do I need to heal? Because that will reflect somewhere in this lifetime or another externally in the way that's needed. Uh, I love everything about this. <laughs> yeah. You know, one thing I've really been reflecting on is um, balancing those masculine and feminine energies by kind of the seasons. Mm. Um, you know, I don't, I don't like that New Year's is when people set all these resolutions and they want to go right. do, 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 right? Like animals are it's, in hibernation. It's it winter. Is, it is winter, <laughs> right? Like I'm supposed to be at home and cozy and warm and mm-hmm. full, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not supposed to be out and depleting. Yeah. And so using that kind of is like my, my compass, if I will, right? Like yeah. it is spring, right? So it gets me really excited about kind of this incubation period coming to life, right? Like yeah. animals are starting to emerge. Ideas are starting to come to fruition. We're getting, you know, we're gaining steam on, you know, into summer where yeah. we can go run full force with the energy of the sun behind us, right? But mm it's okay to take it back to what we said at the beginning. Like it's okay to pause. It's okay to slow down. We don't always have to be doing 
And if we are yeah. always doing, we're missing something, right? Yeah. There, our, mm-hmm. our doing is not going to be at its full potential if we haven't slowed down to receive long enough to really go out and change, you know, what it is we want to see in the world. Uh, yes. Uh, yes. Beautifully said, especially as we move into airy season right around the corner and just the recognition of how much space it takes to really listen and really find that, that inner knowing it just takes a lot more space than we're used to, or we're willing to give it. So it's always, always good to just turn off the music, turn off, take out the headphones, like tune out, you know, give yourself more space than you think you need to. Ah, Lindsay, thank you so much. I am so thrilled to get to know you more. Welcome to Colorado. And (laughs) I can't wait to have, we had some rosé last time. We should do that again. Oh, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, well, I'll see you. uh, Besides Get Psyched, is there any other, for the podcast listeners, go find Get Psyched on anywhere you listen to podcasts. Um, Where else can people find you? Um, Other place I am the most active is Instagram. It's just my full name, at Lindsay Taylor Locke. Um, I'm trying the TikTok thing. I'm not very good at it yet, but I'm trying. Right? (laughs) I do appreciate that there's a little less effort, right? You can just like throw some videos and hit scramble and all of a sudden it's like, oh, that looked kind of kind of cute that worked out <laughs> totally <That> <laughs> totally so i'm trying i'm trying i'm trying there too um which is just the same handle so and if you find me on one it's linked to the other so yeah the podcast gets psyched and at Lindsay taylor lock on on the gram thank you for your time Lindsay. thanks <laughs> aloha